G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast, and this is episode 208, brought to you by our Patreon members community. Without the support of our patrons, we simply could not be bringing you this podcast each and every week, and we could not continue to run the Fasting Highway Facebook group and Instagram pages that we do. We simply wouldn't have time. So thank you to all of those that have supported the Patreon. I hope you're enjoying the great benefits that you get back, and for those listening that may be considering it, you get two Zoom accountability meetings per month. That's two in the Northern Hemisphere, two in the Southern Hemisphere. They're hosted by myself and facilitated by myself. They're a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff in there for people to learn from each other, especially a lot of experienced fasters coming and help newcomers by paying it forward. So you can do that by going to the link in the show notes or go to www.patreon.com forward slash the fasting highway and pick from one of the two levels of support and supercharge your own intermittent fasting lifestyle. Okay, folks, let's get on with today's podcast. And I'm really glad today to be having someone back for just a general discussion about intermittent fasting. And I speak of Karen Cahill. Karen is an amazing person. She really is. And her and I have become good friends over the years with the intermittent fasting community. And Karen really is a shining light. Herself, she's lost over 140 pounds living an IF lifestyle, and her take and insights into intermittent fasting have been super beneficial to all of the members in the Fasting Highway Facebook group and anyone that's listened to her previous two podcasts. But today, we're just going to have a general discussion and two people that have lost close to nearly 300 pounds between us and how it's changed our life, and just maybe hopefully give some inspiration and motivation to others to either start or continue on the fasting highway till they find autopilot wellness. But here she is to join me as co-host, the incredible Karen Cahill, who lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Karen, how you going? And uh, welcome back to the Fasting Highway once again. And uh, for people listening out there, uh, Karen's podcast and her story can be found in episodes 117 and 191. So how you been going, Karen? Good, Graham. Thanks so much for having me back. You know, always love to chat to you. Um, yeah, it's good. We're in a new year, 2024. So um, it's this will uh, be my, actually in April, I will have been fasting for three years. It feels like forever, actually. Like I can't really remember what it was like before I fasted now. Um, but I think it'll be three years this April since um, since I started. So uh, a lot has happened in that three years for sure. Yeah, it's funny, actually, I just bought up and completed six full years 
going into my seventh. And like you say, it does feel like you've been doing it forever. And it's hard to look back to when you first started and you sort of think, wow, that seems a lifetime ago now. And, you know, whether it be three or six or 10 or whatever it may be for people out there listening, I think as the years roll by, for me, it just becomes a, you know, certainly I don't even think about it much anymore, Karen. I just wake up in the morning and I go about my fast and that's it. And, you know, I think it's become more intuitive for me too, the fasting. And yeah, is it, are you the same? You just wake up, you just get about your day and you don't really think about, oh, I'm actually fasting. Yeah, I don't think about it at all. Um, it's funny, you know, over the holidays, you see people that you, you know, might not see that frequently. Maybe, you know, in my case, there are some, it's sort of a group of people that I see only, you know, once or twice over the holidays, um, you know, and and people would ask me, oh, are you are you still doing that fasting thing? And I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm still doing the fasting. I'll never not fast. Um, someone's like, well, like what happens when you just like, like you've lost so much weight that you just fade away. And I'm like, no, it doesn't really work that way. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you lose the weight that you want to weight uh, to lose. And then you, you maintain that, that you're like, you don't shrink forever more. Um, but anyway, it's always, it was always fun when people sort of ask, are you still doing it? Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, it was mm. good though. Um, you know, I think the holidays are difficult for a lot of people. Um, for me, I just keep doing my usual daily routine, to be honest. I don't deviate much. Of course, there are more, you know, like um, lunches and get-togethers and um, more food and, you know, in my case, more alcohol that I'm usually used to um, sort of during the rest of the year. Um, but I continue to fast. Uh, I continue to try to make good food choices. Um, and the holidays really don't scare me or worry me anymore. Three of them under my belt now and, and I feel I feel good. And I read something interesting the other day and somebody said, it's far less important what you eat between Thanksgiving and Christmas than what you eat between Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I think that that's a really good way to look at the holidays here. Well, maybe in the United States, it really starts with Halloween. But, you know, we have this sort of intense six-week period between Thanksgiving and Christmas where there's a lot of food, a lot of gatherings, a lot of eating, a lot of family time. Um, but that's only six weeks. And we have 52 of those in a year. So as long as we are vigilant without being obsessive, um, you know, during the the other weeks of the year, um, the holidays really shouldn't be something that you fear. But but they have their own unique challenges. So probably eating and drinking things uh, that you probably don't eat and drink in that kind of um, you know amount during regular fasting times. Yeah, look, we'll we'll touch on that because that's one of the things we want to talk about today is getting back to our routines. And I know for me, I feel so good now. It's the 11th of January today or here in Australia. It's still the 10th, I think, up in your neck of the woods. But, mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's just getting back to that normal routine. I mean, I was away a fair bit last year. I was in France for a month and I came back for a couple of weeks and I went to New Zealand and a uh, friend's birthday. I was over there for a couple of weeks. And, you know, you get a bit out of your normal sort of run-of-the-mill routine that you do every day. You sort of fast every day, but you're not doing exactly what you normally do. So it's getting back to that routine, isn't it, Karen? You come back from the holidays 
and you think to yourself, okay, new year, I'm going to get into it. You know, you see all these people going crazy. They're joining gyms. They're running down to the swimming pool. First week of January, I know I swim at my local pool. It's absolutely packed. The first week of January, there's people there with you, you swimming costumes on and, you know, bodyboards and masks and snorkels and all these sort of thing. And then by the middle of January, those people are no longer there. They just, they're not there. They start off with a hiss and a roar and then that's the last you see of them. So I think it's important to set yourself up when you do come back from those holidays um, for the year and, and just put some boundaries in place. Yeah, I really agree. Um, and I have, you know, in the community, I've read a lot of people saying, oh my God, I'm so glad that all the holidays are now over and I can resume my, you know, regular fasting protocol. Um, and it sort of does feel a bit like, you know, um, hanging out with an old friend again, you know, because things have been a little, you know, uh, maybe more loosey-goosey over the, the the weeks of the holiday. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm really happy to be back uh, in my regular um, fasting routine. Um, but it is interesting in, uh, that I think, you know, January, between January and March 15th, I think gym memberships, um, some ridiculous like double or triple or whatever. Um, and then by the time March 15th comes around, people are cancelling their gym memberships because they just haven't really, you know, been able to keep up with it. So for all of those um, new fasters, um, people who are coming to the fasting highway um, as new fasters this year, uh, I think it's sort of worth, um, you know, chatting a little bit about, um, you know, how they can set themselves up for success, um, the same success that we long-term fasters have enjoyed and continue to enjoy. Because, um, you know, it's a it's um it's a time of year where you make um you know uh you make resolutions you set yourself goals whether those goals be you know physical goals weight loss goals goals in your job um goals in your relationships your personal goals uh it's a really good time to sort of um you know spend some time thinking about those things and thinking about what you want to achieve in this upcoming year um whether it's, you know, like I'm a very sort of ordered person, you know, I, I journal every day, I, I keep lists, I love lists, I write things down. Um, I know not everybody's as type A as me. Um, a lot of people just, you know, like, hey, listen, it's a new year, I want to do this. Um, yeah. So I think it's worth, worth chatting about that. Yeah, it is. And I think it is funny too, how people sort of wait till the end of the year and then they make these goals and the resolutions. And for me, goals are about, you know, doesn't have to be the end of the year. It can be at any time or any stage of the journey that you're on because, you know, you've got to commit to those goals for one. And as you said, a lot of people will make goals at the start of the year and then by February, March, they sort of find themselves falling by the wayside. So I think it's important to put realistic goals in place rather than goals that may be unobtainable or too hard to sort of get to initially. And so for me, it's about mini steps. And when you're setting those goals and saying to yourself, okay, well, maybe for the next week or so, I'll do this. And then once I tick that off, okay, tick that off. Okay, for the next three weeks, I'll do this. And then just baby steps, if you like, particularly when you start fasting, I think, you know, with the experience that we both have now, and for me, when I started, as you know, I went straight into doing 23 and 1 because I didn't know any different. And I just thought, well, I get home and it's time at 5 o'clock. 
I'll eat then. I'll eat till I'm satisfied and full. I'll eat pretty good food. And then I'll repeat the dose the next day. So it was easy for me. It was simple, right? And I'm a simple guy. I like simple things. So I think when you're setting goals, that's important too, to make them as simple as possible. And don't overcomplicate them. Just put goals in place that you can actually achieve. And then once you do it, you feel really good. But if you say to yourself, I'm going to lose 10, um, 10 kilos or 20 pounds in three weeks. And then when that doesn't happen, you get really dark on yourself. And you say, oh, you know, I didn't do it. You know, I'm a failure. And, you know, that's the mindset going on them. And then all of a sudden they want to give up. So when you just say, you know what, I'm just going to learn how to clean fast when I first start intermittent fasting. That's the first thing I want to do. Once I tick that box, I get through a few clean fasts. Then I've ticked that box and I know what to do. And that sort of side of things, because that's 50% of it, right? And then you start on the other side of it. So I think it's important to keep the goals, you know, relatively simple, you know, easy to achieve and not out of reach. And then that way, small goals start building, if you know what I mean, Karen. Yeah, yeah, no, I really agree with that. Um, I, I'm very much like you. I'm sort of a rip the band-aid off kind of girl. So when I started fasting, I did start pretty aggressively. Um, and, you know, I that just worked for me. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not, well, let me try, you know, a 12-12. Let me try, a, you know, 16-8. I'm like, mm, let me do OMAD. Um, and luckily for me, it worked, right? But for people, um, I have on the in the community um, over the last couple of months, there have uh, been a couple of people who, like you and me, had, you know, a considerable amount of, of weight that they'd like to lose. Um, and, you know, for me now that's up to 145 pounds. Um, that's a lot. Uh, going into intermittent fasting saying I have to lose 145 pounds is just an overwhelming goal to set yourself. So, I would advise um, to set sort of smaller, more achievable goals, right? And don't always tie them to a number on the scale. Um, you know, I want to feel comfortable wearing a pair of jeans. Uh, I want to be able to climb the stairs in my house without, you know, heavy breathing. Uh, I want to be able to, you know, walk from the parking lot into the mall and around the mall and out again. You know, just small uh, goals that are achievable and not always, you know, tied to that number on the scale because that can, you know, sometimes the scale doesn't move for a bit, uh, especially when you start or sometimes you're on a plateau. Um, and that can make it, you know, a little, you know, a little difficult uh, if you're, looking at the that huge end goal or that huge number of pounds that you want to shift. Um, so, yeah, I would say just um, break it into small digestible chunks. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's what I call, you know, breakdown goals. So you break it down. So you've got 100 pounds to lose, right? Okay, well, my first step is when I start intermittent fasting is one, I just have to start. That's the first thing. You don't have to wait till the 1st of January. You don't have to wait till, you know, the first week of the new year. You just get going and you start. That's the thing. You just get going with it. So that's the first part of it. Yeah. Then I think the second part is learning about what the clean fast is and what it is doing. So you can do some pretty basic research on that in several areas. If you're just starting out there or your person that maybe hasn't revisited that and you want to, 
and you're actually started intermittent fasting, you've been into it for two or three months, but you don't particularly know what's going on. So you need a bit of the science to actually know what's going on with the changes in your body and that sort of thing. So I think there's so many places you can find that. I always say to people, go and listen to the audio version of the obesity code, because that breaks it down into the science. And when you listen to the audio version, you can digest it better. Whereas if you read it, it's really hard. For instance, I couldn't read it because I found it too overwhelming. I found the words that they were mm -hmm. using were... I had to go to Google all the time to break down these words because a lot of them I hadn't heard of. But when I actually heard it in an audio format, it made so much more sense and I was able to stop it and digest it. So understanding what's going on is important, but also not saying to yourself, well, you know, if I haven't lost 20 pounds in three weeks, then intermittent fasting doesn't work. Because when you commit to this, and I keep saying it, you've got to commit to it for six to 12 months before you can start seeing all the true benefits, not just the weight loss, because the mindset shift will come when you start seeing that it's much more than that. Because when you start seeing all the other things going on associated with your body and losing the weight as you're going along, as you know, Karen, it's really mind-blowing, isn't it? Because you don't, you don't just get concentrated on the weight loss anymore. You start thinking to yourself, wow, I'm doing intermittent fasting because of all these health things as well that's happening. Yeah, yeah. The, and the health uh, benefits for me, you know, were huge. So when I first started, the, the first book I read was The Obesity Code, because I'm just like, you know, I want all the detail. I want all the scientific data. I, that's just me, right? So I read that and I was immediately hooked. Then I read, you know, everything else I could get my hands on. Um, but it, it, the understanding of how it works is important and I think it's actually very very helpful um uh, people who say well yeah I tried it for three weeks and it didn't work well it's like saying you know when a, a baby is learning to like pull themselves up on the furniture right they'll pull themselves up and then they'll fall down and then they do it again and they'll fall down well they don't fall down twice and then say oh this standing thing isn't gonna work for me I'm done with that like they continue to try right and so that's that's what fasting is it's a lifestyle change that you have to try and tweak again and again and again and again and even for you who've been six years and me nearly three years like I'm still tweaking stuff you know I still mm -hmm. think oh well maybe I'll try that or I read in the community somebody suggests something else and I'm like oh I haven't thought of that um but I also feel like our community is such a great place to um, find help, find support and, you know, help yourself be accountable. Sometimes we all need that little bit of support. We need a little bit of, uh, you know, attaboy kind of thing. And I think that, that getting that within the community, having a safe space to ask our questions, to share our challenges, to, to um share our successes is uh, is incredibly helpful um, for new fasters and for those of us who've been doing it for a while as well. Um, you know, and we find we, we make sort of little connections, you know, with people like I have made some connections with, with some of the people in the community that I text with on an almost daily basis now. Um, and we share back and forth and, and we bounce ideas off of each other. And like for me, that community is so important in me maintaining, you know, accountability to myself and to others. Mm. Staying plugged in and getting plugged in. 
And that's another thing for people that are just starting out or people that are trying to get back into their normal routines. And I think for me, it's called the big pants syndrome. You've got to put on your big pants and say to yourself, you know, I need to do this to take my health back. You've got to really have some tough conversations with yourself. And sometimes people like to dance around and make excuses. And, you know, I wrote in my book, Karen, that obese people are the masters of procrastination. And they are because when you're obese, as you know, you're obese sometimes for a long time and you keep saying to yourself, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. And you become a gunner when it comes to your health. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But you never do. And so once you commit to the process and you put those big pants on, you have those tough conversations with yourself, sometimes you can really get going. So, you know, if you've been a person that's been doing intermittent fasting, you just come through your first holiday season. And as Karen said, sometimes in the States, it can last up to six weeks with Halloween and everything in between. And here in Australia, it usually gets rolling the end of November. The office parties come, you know, families start planning their Christmases. We start planning our vacations, that sort of thing. And then it's full noise until the first week of January. And all of a sudden it just drops, you know, everyone goes back to their jobs or most people do. And you know, you're back in your normal routine. So I think it's really important to have those conversations too with yourself and just say, you know what, I need to do this for my health. And when you're talking about setting goals, it's important to understand the whys around those goals. Like for a person that's just starting out, why do you want to do this? Why uh, do you want to fast every day? Why do you want to fast for 16 hours or 20 hours or 22 hours? What is the purpose of this? Okay, you're going to say to me, well, Graham, I want to lose weight. Well, yes, we know that what you're doing it, but what is the purpose for you to get that weight off? What is, what's happening in your life that's actually stopping you from doing things because of your weight? What is it you can't do? What is it that you hope to do? What are your dreams, aspirations? What are your goals? What is your life going to look like in five years' time without this weight on your body? Are you going to be hiking in the Himalayas because you can, because you're a fit, healthy person? Or on the other side of the coin, what is my life going to be like if I don't do something about my health? What is my life going to be like? Imagine, Karen, if you and I, between us, we've lost some 300 pounds, 140 kilos, whatever that is. You know, it's a lot of weight and it's changed both our lives. And we can do so many things now that we couldn't before. So I think it's important to understand the end game and what purpose it, of what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve. And what's down the line? So you can visualize those things when you first start. You can visualize yourself in those clothes you always wanted to wear. You can visualize yourself flying on the aircraft, knocking in the seatbelt extender or being jammed in like a sardine. You can visualize yourself going to the movies and not worrying about breaking the seats and restaurants and that sort of stuff. So I think that's really important to understand the whys when you're setting those health goals. Absolutely. And, you know, the why is is really where it all should start. Um, and as you say, like, the why is not I want to lose weight. Like, the why is why you want to lose the weight. And, it, you know, self-introspection can be very, very difficult. And if you've lived life um, largely as an obese person, um, you are used to having a lot of um, parameters put on your life, you know, like, well, I'd like to go there on that vacation, but I don't think I could manage or I don't think I could do the walking or I don't think I'd fit in the seats of the whatever, you know. Um, but, to, but to be a healthy person at a healthy size opens up so many more opportunities. Um, so, you know, a lot of people have asked me, um, 
you know, do you do you exercise a lot? Do you go to the gym? Do you run? Do you do all that stuff? And I think if you listen back to my episodes 117, maybe even 191, I would have said to you that I'd rather starve than sweat. Like, I am not your exercise girl. I, that's not me. Like, I'm not the go to the gym girl. But I will say that um, in September last year, I went on a cruise for the first time. We did an Alaskan cruise. And uh, it was there was a lot of walking. We did a lot of excursions. I was walking a lot every day. Um, I'd also moved from doing my daily OMAD to more of a two-mad. I'd eat lunch and dinner um, and cocktails, of course. Um, and I thought, well, I was away for 10 days. And I thought, well, when I get back, you know, I'm probably going to see a shift on the scale because I've been eating more. Well, I came back, stood on the scale, and I was two pounds less than when I went. Wow. And the light finally, finally went off. And I'm ashamed to say that um, at 60, nearly oh, 60 tomorrow, at 60, this finally clicked that exercise is important. So since coming back at the end of September, I have... Um, set myself a goal of walking between 10 and 15,000 steps a day. Um, and I'm pleased to report that I've pretty much done that. Uh, I would say I'm at about a 92% success rate, um, which I think is great. Um, the 92% and success rate. That's 92% is, is not bad. Of course, you know, I've got all the data, so I can tell you how many miles I've walked. But the interesting thing is, um, is that prior to this, I was definitely on a plateau. I was maintaining, but I really wasn't losing. And since that trip in September, I would say I've lost probably 15 pounds. And that is really from introducing this consistent exercise and I'm not running I'm not speed walking I'm just walking I walk around my neighborhood um I walk I actually it's been very cold in the morning so I bought myself a little walking pad and under desk walking pad so that I don't have to get out there when it's freezing in the mornings um I still like to get out there during the afternoon if the sun's out because I like to be outside um, but this has made a huge, huge change to the way that I live my life. And I'm so excited that I've embraced this. Um, tomorrow I have my first strength training um, time at uh, actually at a gym, strength training at a gym. And so, you know, that was one of my goals for this year was to um be more mindful about incorporating exercise and strength training into my daily life along with my fasting. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And, you know, I was the same when I was obese, Karen, the idea of getting up and going for a walk around a block was pretty tough because I knew how mm -hmm. hard it was carrying that 360 pounds around. Right. And, you know, it was either too hot, was too cold. Again, masters of procrastination always making an excuse about why I wasn't exercising properly. 
But, you know, I, I did love some things. I love swimming. I love going to the beach and swimming and that sort of stuff. And so I was doing something and I did walk a little bit. But I think when you lose the weight, and that's the other thing, when you're setting up these goals, what am I going to be able to do when I get this weight off my body? And one of them is incorporating exercise into your intermittent fasting mm -hmm. lifestyle. Because particularly when you get the weight off and you get into maintenance and then you say to yourself, well, what am I going to do now for fun? I've got the weight off, the euphoria of the scale going down and, you know, and going down and all the clothes sizes has come to a shuddering halt. All the weight's off my body now. I don't really need or I don't want to lose any more weight. I'm pretty happy where I am. My body's happy. So what's going to happen now? So then you start thinking about, oh, well, maybe I'll do some things like exercise. And then you realize how good you feel. And I always say to people that ask me, you don't know what feeling great is until you actually feel great, right? Because you just don't. I mean, I never felt great for 40 years of my life. And then all of a sudden when I did, I was just going, holy cow, this is amazing. You know, my, the feeling I had was like euphoric. It was like I was on some type of high, right? And then when I started exercising, I realized I could do it. And I started off walking and, you know, I started off going around the block. Then I started off doing two kilometers, three kilometers. And then I was getting up to six then all of a sudden I was training for a 130 kilometer hike with some mates over some very tough terrain. And I thought, there's no way that I could have done that before. No way. And now I'm looking at setting myself up to do the five great walks in New Zealand over the next two years. You know, massive hikes in Queen Charlotte Sounds and Milford Sounds, some of the best hikes in the world. And because I can plan that, and because before it was out of reach for me, I simply couldn't have done it. I would have been carried out in a helicopter. So, yeah, I think it's really important to have that in the back of your mind, too, about, you know, just just the freedoms you talk about, getting the weight off our body. But we get to that point where we go, well, what are we going to do now? And so the exercise comes in. And now I'm a daily walker most days. You know, it's stinking hot here in Western Australia at the moment. We're getting up to 100 Fahrenheit, 38 degrees. We've got three days of it coming up. But I get up early in the morning and I make sure I go for a walk or I wait till the late evening and go for a walk when it's a bit cooler. You can't get out in the middle mm -hmm. of the day. It's just too hot. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's a mind shift, right? So you're used to saying, no, I can't do that. And now you have to get used to saying, yes, I can do that. Mm. And I want to do that. Um, so it's, and, you know, I've talked about this before, um, you know, that really my mental health has, you know, I've, I had a terrible year last year um and i think you know the the role of exercise in um you know helping me recover my mental health has been really important like fasting has literally saved my life if i didn't have fasting over the last you know 10 months i probably wouldn't be here today the routine of it the the knowledge that i have control over something has been um has really been a lifesaver but now, um, you know, the dopamine hit you get from exercise, which I never understood before. I'm like, how do people say it makes you feel really good if you work out? But now I understand it, right? I stand up, I go for a walk, I get outside, I get in the fresh air. And it's true, like it just, it helps your mental health um, so much. It does release those dopamine hits that that you need that we all need to get through the day um and so i'm just really thankful that i've found that you know even though it's taken me many years to be able to appreciate the role that um, 
that exercise should play in in a healthy life um that not only is it helping me feel physically better but i feel like mentally better as well yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. exercise does make you feel like that you know life can imitate art sometimes and the funniest thing that one of the funniest things that's happened and you may have heard me talk about before was the forest gump moment i'm walking down this track right and all of a sudden i thought oh I felt like so good. I felt so good in my body that I just felt myself breaking out into a jog because I was, I walk pretty fast because I'm pretty tall. So I've got long legs, right? And I, I started going into this jog and all of a sudden I'm in this rhythm jogging and I was like, Graham Curry is running. And it was like the only time I ever run was at the nose in winter. And here I am running down this track. And I remember the tears running down my face, just the euphoric, moment of me being able to run without this weight on my body and it was at that moment in time when i really felt like i'd broken the chains of obesity once and for all i thought here i am i can now run and i ran for a good kilometer and it was the most freeing moment i think i've had in my life i just felt like i was out of jail out of the obesity jail where i could now run and so exercise has become really important for me like you i mainly walk right i swim I've got a rowing machine here. I've got a um, stand, standing bike, you know, a recumbent bike. So I can do a right. few different things. And, you know, I think we need strong bones for our health and longevity. And we're both in the 60s now or coming up to that. And, you know, I think it's important for, you know, just overall health exercise for our mental health is great. And you had a really tough year last year. As we heard, you lost your son last year. And, you know, in the last podcast you did, and I'm so sorry that it happened not only to you, but for your son as well. And we remember him, but you know, and, and you, you had your fasting to hang on to. And what I always say to people, no matter what happens, you can control the controllables. And sometimes there's only one thing we can control and that's our daily fast. I mean, everything else might be going haywire. There's wars going on around the world. I mean, you know, one of the things for 2024 and you're setting your intentions and that sort of thing, Karen, for me was trying to disconnect from all the badness in the world. And that's, I don't watch the use as much this year as I used to, because when I watch the use, I find myself just seeing bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. And I just sit there and I go, man, isn't there anything good going on in the world? It just seems like there's just all this killing and wars and, you know, violence and out of control. And, and when you stop doing that, you stop looking at that stuff. I'm not saying you have to be all fluffy and whatever and disconnect from what's going on in the world, but I think for your mindset, when you're trying to get healthy and you're trying to get yourself into a positive space, sometimes it's good just to sort of pull back a bit on all that stuff that you're consuming. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the world is a is a pretty cruel place um, if you watch the news. Um for me, the opportunity to disconnect from all of that stuff when I'm out walking, I usually will listen to, um, you know, an audible book that I'm I'm reading. So it's sort of like an escape time for me. Um, you know, somebody asked me, well, you know, what do you think about when you walk? And I'm like, I try to actually think about nothing. I just listen to my book or um, I know a lot of people like to listen to podcasts when they walk, but it is like a sort of a, a mental escape. Um, it's also doing something good. Like, you know, you can sit on the couch and watch TV or you can get up and walk and, and, and read a book, right? Um, I know which is better for me and that's what I, I choose to do. 
Um, I know a lot of people in our community are, um, you know, uh, avid hikers and we've got a lot of runners. We've got people that, you know, do some pretty intense exercise. But the research out there at the moment is that, you know, you don't have to do, you know, six days of cardio in a gym to see results. Walking 10,000 steps a day is is really, really good for you. Um, so, you know, if you're still working on losing weight, I mean, a lot of I have uh, arthritis in my knee, um, you know, really heavy impact stuff is not great for me, but walking I can do. Um, so just set like that as a, as a sort of a daily goal. And, um, you know, yours, vigilance without obsession. And I'm, you know, consistency is greater than perfection. All you've got to do is be consistent. You know, it doesn't have to be 10,000 steps every day. If you only get 5,000 steps in tomorrow, that's okay. You still did 5,000 steps. And uh, I would like to encourage anybody who hasn't maybe exercised to this point, um, give it a go. Try to find that 30 minutes a day just for yourself. Um, feel free to message me um, through the through the through the Facebook portal. Um, if you're looking for any encouragement, um, I'm happy to chat with you and, and let you know how I started out. Yeah. I think that's great. Thanks, Karen. But I also think, you know, it gets back to the big pants syndrome again, doesn't it? You know, putting on your big pants and saying, okay, I need to do some more stuff to get my body up to its optimum. Now, you know, I've lost a bit of weight. I'm feeling good in myself. And now there's not really much excuse that I can't exercise unless you're a person that's got some, Severe medical issues going on, but there's always something you can do. Look up face yoga, look up chair yoga. There's so much of these things on YouTube, low impact stuff. Look up sort of, you know, starting out Pilates, that sort of thing. We're going to be doing something in that space soon too. So stay tuned for that about how people that are carrying a lot of weight can do something in the line of exercise. You know, if the weather's too hot, the weather's too cold, put on a YouTube virtual walk. Put on the city you want to walk through, Paris, London, Rome, any New York, anywhere in the world. And you can just go for a virtual walk and just walk along on that virtual walk and have a look at all the sights of those cities right in your lounge room. You don't have to do anything. Go and get yourself a recumbent bike you can put inside the house or a treadmill or whatever it may be or a vibration plate. But what I found was really interesting, Karen, with walking was um, when I started doing the promenading in the evenings after I finished my meal. I found that so helpful because what that was doing was it was capping that insulin spike when I had my main meal of the day. So I wasn't going straight afterwards. I don't want people to walk out the door as soon as they had their last bite. But I'd just settle down for a while after I'd close my window and then I'd go for this stroll. And it might be 10, 15, 20 minutes around the property here. We got a pretty big property or I'd go around the streets and our tracks and that sort of thing. And I found that so beneficial because I was going to bed and I felt so great and I felt really restful. And I think just capping that insulin spike and, and maintaining, I was actually seeing a really consistent, and like you said, consistency is great. And I was seeing that consistent maintaining going through. I mean, over the years, I'm talking about maintaining, I mean, four years now, over four years, I've been in maintenance and my weight's fluctuated three kilos in four years or six pounds. And when you think about that, you can control your weight in that sort of range and maintenance. And you know yourself now that you, you got much more weight to lose or you're pretty happy where you are now, or you've been saying that you're in maintenance for a while. Um, 
So I always say, like, you know, I don't really have a goal in mind, but um, I think if I could lose another seven or ten pounds, I'd be really happy. If I don't lose another seven or ten pounds, I'm also very happy. Um, you know, it's it's not now that I've I've since the exercise and I've dropped like that 13 pounds, 15 pounds, I'm I'm pretty happy where I am. Um, so it's uh I'm just sort of seeing what happens, you know, I'm not, um, mm. I'm not sort of, uh, I don't, I've never really had a goal number in, in mind, but I will tell you that um, I had some thyroid issues over the last couple of years and I see an endocrinologist who is, she is amazing. Um, and I'm not a diabetic, but she's sort of figured a way to give me a, a continuous glucose monitor. And that thing about, having a 10 to 15 minute walk after your evening meal or after your, your last meal of the day, when you close your window, um, it's incredible. I can see on my, uh, my glucose monitor that I will drop 15 points if I walk after I've closed my window. And so that really, really is a great idea. If that's the one walk you start doing a day, that's the one walk you should start, right? Yeah. Like just start with like a, a quick 15-minute stroll after dinner and it, or as you close your window. And um, I think that's a really great idea. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a brisk walk. It's just a stroll or it can be just mm -hmm. a stroll around your garden. It could be a stroll up and down the street talking to your neighbors, but you're moving, right? Or you jump on your stationary bike or whatever it may be. But it just caps that insulin spike. And as you said, you're seeing that result on your glucose monitoring. You see people in the summer in Europe out after their late dinner and because they eat fairly late, right? And then you'll see them promenading, just strolling around the streets in the summer. And literally, it's called the beautiful walk, where you'll walk after dinner or promenading. So I'd really suggest people, you know, just try it, see how it goes. You can incorporate that into your intermittent fasting lifestyle. I think exercise of any nature is really good. As long as you're doing something every day, it's going to count. And it's just like fasting for me. It's like, you know, when we're fasting, Karen, something's happening, isn't it? I mean, you've been doing this a long time now, as I have. And I just think about my fast as, you know, it's doing something. So that's what I do. I, I don't even think about I'm actually doing it, but I know it's doing something for my body. And then I'm coming to that eating window. And I think the eating window is the, the sacred thing for me about all of this, the secret sauce, if you like. That's where it's all going to happen for you. Because if you're already nailed to clean fast and you're fasting okay, then that's done and dusted, right? But it's the eating window for me where it becomes the mental challenge for a lot of people where they feel like they can't let go of things. They feel like they can't delay things. They have this in their mindset that they don't want to go into what's called diet brain or diet mentality, which I really don't like those phrases because it's not diet brain or diet mentality to delay or deny you something if it's holding you up from your health goals. And so that's where the big pants syndrome comes on. And I'm starting to get a theme here with the big pants syndrome. Maybe it might be the title of a new book or something. But, you know, sometimes you do have to do that and say to yourself, well, you know, maybe six Krispy Kreme donuts in my eating window isn't really serving and it's not working. And that's why I'm not getting the weight off my body like I want to. But, hey, I'm fasting all day. But why isn't the weight dropping off? Well, hello. When you start investigating the eating window and particularly beverages around alcohol and that sort of thing, you start looking into the mirror and the truth machine and you put on those big pants and you ask yourself the question. Sometimes the answers are obvious, 
and you just have to let go. And it's like letting go of an old friend sometimes. For me, letting go of bread is like letting go of an old friend, an old mate, you know what I mean? But I had to do it. I just yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. I can't eat bread every day either. Um, in fact, I only really eat bread from one source, and that's my boss who makes the best homemade bread. And and when he makes it for me, I eat it. But it's, uh, you know, it's an every now and then thing. Um, I do, the, what, the one huge lesson that I've taken from fasting is that for me, my fasts are easy. But my fasts are only easy because I'm very particular about what I eat in my eating window. So everything I eat between Monday and Friday when I fast in my, my routine week, um, I only eat things that will serve my body nutritionally, right? I'm not going to eat preserved foods. I'm not going to eat a bunch of candy. I'm not going to eat any of that stuff. I don't eat it Monday to Friday because I don't feel my best when I eat it. And my fast the following day is going to be harder. And I don't want a hard fast. I want it to be something I don't even think of. So I do maintain that sort of pretty strict routine about real whole foods, good fats, um, you know, lots of veggies, a lot of berries, you know, lean protein. I try to really stick to that 80% of the week. And then on Friday and Saturday, if I'm with friends, if I'm with my family and things are a little looser, uh, maybe have a cocktail, I have a glass of wine, I might have a dessert, might go crazy and eat bread or fries. I don't know. Um, but for the most part, I maintain that routine and I want to eat the good stuff because otherwise my fast the next day is not easy. And I don't have time for a difficult fast. I've got no time for that. Yeah. You know, I had a doctor say to me once, he said, you're the reverse to the 80-20. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if you eat 80% of the time healthy and 20% of the time not so healthy, you're probably going to be okay. But he said, what you're doing is you're eating 80% of the time unhealthy and 20% of the time healthy. And that's why you've got the problem you've got. So you need to turn that around. And now yeah. I would say I eat probably over 90% healthy and 10% sometimes, yeah. you know, not what steamed, like I'll have a beer or whatever it might be when I see a mate or you know, when I travel, I might eat some different foods because when you go to another country, you know, like I just recently went to France, you're going to try the food there, right? And because France, and you should, you're that's you don't get to try to eat French food all the time. You should try no. everything you can. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. You're they're there for experience, and you know, life is to be lived, and you need to be able to make this flexible to be sustainable. So that you're the same as me. During the week, I'm I'm pretty tight with what I do, right? And then on the weekend, I like to go down to a cafe with Lou. I like to have the big breakfast sort of thing. I like to sit in the sunshine. I like to read the newspaper. I like to live my life. And that's important. That's really important. But when you're getting the weight off your body, sometimes you're laser focused and that's all you, you're not moving your protocol for anyone. I know when I lost the weight off my body, I wasn't shifting for anyone and I wasn't changing anything because I knew it was working and I just wanted to yeah. get the weight off my body. But now I know what I know and I have the experience that I have. I would say to people that we're settling into a lifestyle and you need that flexibility to make it sustainable. Because I found when I came to the maintenance side of things that 
okay, Graham, you need to have some flexibility in this. You cannot be as rigid as doing 23 and one, seven days a week. You need to make some changes, not only for yourself, but also for your wife, your family and your social life, your yeah. mental health, because your mental health is important and how you're able to do that and have that little bit of flex. I agree. I totally agree. Um, you know, I, uh, I love the, you know, I love that routine and that sort of, um, uh, you know, weekly sort of way of life. I love that, but I love the weekends too, when things are a little looser and, you know, I can, I eat things that, that maybe I don't eat during the week or drink things or whatever. So I agree. It's, it's finding that balance because if this has to be a sustainable thing, right? Like nobody can, nobody can um, live a life where you are in like a, a tight routine the entire time because it'll kind of drive you crazy. Like life happens, vacations happen, cruises happen, going overseas happens, your friends coming into town, you know, once a year happens. Do not miss those experiences because you don't want to look back and kick yourself for, you know, not having fun with friends. Uh, there's a lady recently who posted about she's going on a cruise with a friend who's also a faster and she's she's beautiful new dress made. I can't remember her name, but she looked fantastic, you know, and she's saying, I, I'm just worried about, you know, how my fasting protocol will work. And I'm like, hey, just enjoy the cruise. It's seven days enjoy your enjoy your friend have fun do all the things you can do um fasting will still be there uh, you know on day eight yeah so you know we yeah, hear this uh, um, people should live their lives exactly and you hear we hear the same in the intermittent fasting community saturday is an special occasion well i'll tell you what for me saturday is a very special occasion because i'm working monday to friday and then it comes to saturday and i'm not working i'm at home with my family i'm at my house i'm relaxing you know, my kids are doing things. Might be when they were younger playing sport, I'd go and watch them play netball or whatever it may be, my girls. And I loved it. And Saturdays for me were always very sacred. You know, I'd sit down in the afternoon, I'd watch my game of rugby, I'd chill out, and I just loved it. And, you know, and then I'd see friends and family on Saturdays. So Saturdays for me are certainly a special occasion, but it's when you turn every day into a Saturday, that's when it becomes a problem and you're a little bit more too flexible. So I think it's important to find that balance. And I think, you know, what we're doing now in our maintenance is that Monday to Friday, we're being vigilant without being obsessed. And then when it comes to the weekends, we're having a bit of joy in our life, and which we should. I mean, we're not in boot camp here. We're, we're just living a lifestyle. And now we're fit and healthy people, Karen. And we've got a handle on this. And we know what to do if things are getting out of control. And I know for me, the key for me, and I, I don't know if you, I can't remember what you said about it, but when I come to weigh myself daily, I just step on the scale, I look at the number and I step off. I'm in the range, great. I don't even think about it, I'll just look at the number. And then, but I know a lot of people don't have a great relationship with the scale. But for me, that was been the key for me in this whole thing of maintaining my weight in that range is just knowing where I was. So I didn't wait till my pants got so tight I couldn't do them up. And then I found out I was 15, 20 pounds heavier. And then I just thought it was a mountain to climb again. And that's for me, that's been the vigilance without obsession part. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same. I'm a daily wearer. Um, and uh, much like you, the actual number doesn't really, it doesn't affect my day. Now, a lot of people do. If they step on the scale and they're up half a pound, like it, it might 
make them feel miserable. So, you know, the idea of taking a, a, you know, a daily weight and then averaging it at the end of the week is, is a really good tip for that. But, you know, if the scale does make you feel kind of mad, if you step on it and it doesn't show you what you want, then like, don't do it every day, just do it once a week. But for me, I like it. Like, I like the data. I, I you know, my scales linked to my phone. I stand on the scale. It populates the data on my phone. I can look back and tell you any time over the last three years what what the numbers said but you know once once you've fasted for long enough once you're kind of kind of close to where you want to be maintaining once you've got a good hold on it like yeah it I just like to know that I'm not you know moving constantly the wrong in the wrong direction yeah I agree with that yeah I think it's important but we're going to have to go soon Karen is sort of coming to the end of the podcast now but I think both of us have a lot of experience to draw on here. And, you know, I thank you for being a, a great member of the Patreon community too for the Fasting Highway. And Karen's been in a few of our Zoom meetings. And for people to come in there and have that experience from people like Karen and other members of the Patreon community, I'd really strongly urge anybody out there listening that wants to get some extra accountability to join the Patreon community or at least get plugged into some sort of community and get some support that way. Don't just try to muddle through it by yourself. Or if you're struggling and you feel like you just can't get going with it, then reach out and get some help. But Karen, yeah, just before we go, I just wanted to lean in that three years of experience that you have and just your sort of top tips, just like two or three key things that you can think of that really might help somebody that's just getting going with their intermittent fasting journey. Yeah, well, trust the process. Um, I think that's my biggest one. Um Clean fast, eat healthy, clean fast, eat healthy. That's all you've got to do. Trust that process. Um, it's not an, a fast way to lose weight, but it's a sustainable way to lose weight. So trusting the process is really important. You know, my other one is that uh, consistency is greater than perfection. We as people are not perfect. We will never be perfect. We shouldn't strive to be perfect. But consistency is something that we can all master. It just takes a bit of, uh, as as you say, pulling on your big pants and um, and setting those goals. Like make those goals. Hold yourself accountable to those things. Um, if you find yourself slip, slipping, seek help from the community. Um, send me a message. You know, there's a lot of people in the community that have been doing this a long time. And I would say the third thing is, you know, please enjoy your vacations. Enjoy your time with your family. Um, you'll find the right, the, the right balance, but please do not ever miss doing something fun or going somewhere with your friends because, you know, it's not in your eating window. Sit yeah. there and have a cup of coffee with them. If they love you, they're going to get it. Like many times I've gone out with friends and said, hey, listen, I'll come with you, but I'm not, I'm fasting. So I'll just have a cup of coffee. And they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. Whatever. So, you know, don't ever miss out on those times because you feel like, um, you know, it doesn't fit in with your fasting schedule. Your fasting schedule has to fit your life. That's the most important thing. Exactly right. And I'll add to that, keep it simple. Keep it as simple as possible. Don't overthink it. You know, get the information that you need and just stop procrastinating and start and get doing it. 
you know, if you find yourself struggling, reach out, get some help. There's so many much help out there. It's not funny. You don't just have to sit there and muddle through it or get confused or get angry with yourself. Reach out to like-minded people that have got experience to help you. And there's plenty of help available in the Fasting Highway community. If you want to get some extra accountability, join the Patreon community. You know, look up stuff on Google, research. There's so much out there that you can get to get you going. But anyway, Karen, thank you for joining me. I can't tell you how helpful this has been for people. You know, we're two people that have had the experience of going through pretty big transformations. You know, between us, we've lost 300 pounds of weight. So I hope that we've given some people some motivation. And I know for me, I always say to people, if I can do this, you can do it too because I was where you were and I understand what you're going through in the processes as Karen does. And so stay tuned. We're going to hear from Karen Moore and the Patreon group in particular. Um, but yeah, have a nice day, everyone. And thank you, Karen. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, everyone. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. Once again, always a pleasure to talk to you all the way there from Atlanta, Georgia. And I wish you continued success with your intermittent fasting lifestyle. And I truly think you're amazing. I really do. You are so amazing how your passion to help others with intermittent fasting really oozes out of you. And we're so lucky to have you in the Fasting Highway community and also in our Patreon members group. And as we talked about in the podcast here, I would really strongly suggest that anybody that's looking for some extra support and come and get some valued experience from people like Karen that are in the Patreon community, go to the link in that show notes at www.patreon.com forward slash to Fasting Highway. Come and join us in the Zoom accountability meetings. Come and listen to all the content, the bonus uh, discussion topics, the audio series to help supercharge your own intermittent fasting lifestyle. Okay, folks. Also, if you are interested in my story and my book, um, you will find it on Amazon for those asking. It's in both paperback and Kindle. Uh, The audio version isn't on Audible, but you'll find it in many other audio platforms such as audiobooks.com, Spotify, Kobo, and all the major ones outside Audible. You'll find the Fasting Highway audiobook narrated by myself. Okay, folks, until next week. Be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.